TED Audio Collective. I'm going to take you back. Back to history class in 7th or 8th grade, maybe even high school, when you learned about the Gettysburg Address given by President Abraham Lincoln in 1863. In this speech, he talked about a government of the people, by the people, for the people. The intention was for government to be participatory, but sadly, this intention hasn't always matched reality. Today, getting more people involved in our democratic institutions is challenging, and broad participation doesn't happen as often as we would like. There are so many processes and rules that dictate who gets a seat at the table and who doesn't. But once someone has pulled up their chair, what happens next? Someone's voice might have been heard to get them at the table, but how can they meaningfully participate, translating this voice into action? And more important, how can we give everyday people a voice? How do we broaden access and interest in the political process while also giving folks autonomy over what happens in their communities? I'm Madhup Akinola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Sherry Davis, who has been working on giving people the power to decide how to spend government dollars set aside for their communities. In this talk, Sherry reveals how something called participatory budgeting can bring about radical change at a community level, ultimately revitalizing our democracy. Then after the talk, I'll share an example of how we can apply Sherry's ideas to our own organizations. But first, a quick break. Tired of unnecessary payroll errors? Stop them in their tracks. With Paycom, employees do their own payroll. They're able to identify errors and fix them before submission, right in the app. Because no one can afford for payroll to be wrong. Not HR and payroll teams, not leaders, and definitely not employees. Shorted paychecks, timesheet corrections, unentered sick days, missed overtime hours, and expense mistakes are, well, unnecessary for everyone. Manage the process to make payday right with Paycom. Learn more at paycom.com slash soundrise. That's paycom.com slash soundrise. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. My name is Sherry Davis. And let's be honest, 
I'm a recovering government employee. And I say that with a huge shout out to the folks that work in government and on systems change. It's hard. It can be isolating. And the work can feel impossible. But government is the people that show up. Really, it's the people that can show up and are committed to the promise that public service offers. Service to people, democracy, and fixing the problems that community members face. 17 years ago, I walked through City Hall for the first time as a staff member. And that walk revealed something to me. I was a unicorn. There weren't many people who looked like me that worked in the building. And yet there were folks committed to addressing hundreds of years of systemic inequity that left some behind and many ignored. Where there was promise, there was a huge problem. You see, democracy, as it was originally designed, had a fatal flaw. It only laid pipeline for rich, white men to progress. And now, if you're a smart, rich, white man, you understand why I say that's a problem. Massive talent has been left off the field. Our moral imaginations have grown anemic. Our highest offices are plagued by corruption. We're on the brink of a sort of apathetic apocalypse, and it's not okay. We've got to open the doors to city halls and schools so wide that people can't help but walk in. We've got to throw out the old top-down processes that got us into this mess and start over with new faces around the table, new voices in the mix, and we have to welcome new perspectives every step of the way. Not because it's the right thing to do, although it is, but because that's the only way for us to all succeed together. And here's the best news of all. I know how to do it. The answer, well, an answer, is participatory budgeting. That's right, participatory budgeting, or PB for short. PB is a process that brings community and government together to ideate, develop concrete proposals, and vote on projects that solve real problems in community. Now I realize that people don't get up and dance when I start talking about public budgets, but participatory budgeting is actually about collective, radical imagination. Everyone has a role to play in PB and it works because it allows community members to craft real solutions to real problems. It provides the infrastructure for the promise of government. And honestly, it's how I saw democracy actually work for the first time. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 2014 in Boston, Massachusetts, and Mayor Menino asked me to launch the country's first youth-focused PB effort with $1 million of city funds. Now, we didn't start with line items and limits or spreadsheets and formulas. We started with people. We wanted to make sure that everyone was listened to. So we brought in young people from historically and traditionally marginalized neighborhoods, members of the queer community, and youth that were formerly incarcerated. And together, often with pizza and a sugar-free beverage, we talked about how to make Boston better. And we designed a process that we called Youth Lead the Change. We imagined a Boston where young people could access the information that they need to thrive. 
where they can feel safe in their communities and where they can transform public spaces into real hubs of life for all people. And that's exactly what they did. In the first year, young people allocated $90,000 to increase technology access for Boston Public High School students by delivering laptops right to Boston Public High Schools so that students could thrive inside and outside of the classroom. They allocated $60,000 to creating art walls that literally and figuratively brightened up public spaces. But they addressed a more important problem. Young people were being criminalized and pulled into the justice system for putting their art on walls. So this gave them a safe space to practice their craft. They allocated $400,000 to renovating parks to make them more accessible for all people of all bodies. Now, <laughs> admittedly, this didn't go as smoothly as we had planned. Right before we broke ground on the park, we actually found out that it was on top of an archeological site and had to halt construction. I thought I broke PB. But because the city was so committed to the project, that's not what happened. They invited community in to do a dig, protected the site, found artifacts, extended Boston's history, and then moved forward with the renovation. If that isn't a reflection of radical imagination in government, I don't know what is. What sounds simple is actually transformational for the people and communities involved. I'm seeing community members shape transportation access, improve their schools, and even transform government buildings so that there is space inside of them for them. Before we had PB, I would see people who look like me and come from where I come from walk into government buildings for this new initiative or that new working group. And then I'd watch them walk right back out. Sometimes, I wouldn't see him again. It's because their expertise was being unvalued. They weren't truly being engaged in the process. But PB is different. When we started doing PB, I met amazing young leaders across the city. One in particular, a rock star, Malachi Hernandez, 15 years old, came into a community meeting, shy, curious, a little quiet, stuck around and became one of the young people helping to lead the project. Now fast forward a couple years. Malachi was the first in his family to attend college. A couple weeks ago, he was the first in his family to graduate. Malachi has appeared in the Obama White House several times as part of the My Brother's Keeper initiative. President Obama even quotes Malachi in interviews. It's true, you can look it up. Malachi got engaged, stayed engaged, and is out here changing the way we think about community leadership and potential. Or my friend Maria Haddon, who was involved in the first PB process in Chicago, then went on to become a founding participatory budgeting project board member, eventually a staff member, and then unseated a 28-year incumbent, becoming the first queer, black, alder person in Chicago's History, that's real engagement. That's being taken seriously. That's building out and building on community leadership. That's system change. And it's not just in the US either. After starting 30 years ago in Brazil, 
PB has spread to over 7,000 cities across the globe. In Paris, France, the mayor puts up 5% of her budget, over 100 million euros, for community members to decide on and shape their city. Globally, PB has been shown to improve public health, reduce corruption, and increase trust in government. Now we know the challenges that we face in today's society. How can we expect people to feel motivated to show up to the polls when they can't trust that government is run by and for the people? I'd argue that we haven't actually experienced true participatory democracy in these United States of America just yet. But democracy is a living, breathing thing. And it's still our birthright. It's time to renew trust, and that's not going to come easy. We have to build new ways of thinking, of talking, of working, of dreaming, of planning in its place. What would America look like if everyone had a seat at the table? If we took the time to reimagine what's possible and then ask, how do we get there? My favorite author, Octavia Butler says it best. In Parable of the Sower, basically my Bible, she says, all that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. It's time for these 50 states to change. What got us here sure as hell won't get us there. We've got to kick the walls of power down and plant gardens of genuine democracy in their place. That's how we change systems, by opening doors so wide that people can't help but walk in. So what's stopping you from bringing participatory budgeting to your community? If there's a surefire way to wake up feeling fresh after a night of enjoying alcohol, it's with Zbiotics. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/tedbusiness to get 15% off your first order when you use Ted Business at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash tedbusiness and use the code tedbusiness at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. If you're looking for new ways to grow and future-proof your business, I want to tell you about Read, Write, Own, Building the Next Era of the Internet, a new book on unlocking more entrepreneurship, creativity, and innovation online. From entrepreneur and investor Chris Dixon, Read, Write, Own explores the possibilities of an internet co-created by artists, fans, gamers, and communities of users. Read, Write, Own is a playbook for thinking about what's trending in tech. 
from AI that compensates creators to immersive virtual worlds. Order your copy of Read, Write, Own or learn more from ReadWriteOwn.com. I love the idea of opening doors so wide that people can't help but walk in. Sherry was talking about the government, but these ideas can also be applied to budgetary and non-budgetary issues in organizations. For example, I was once working with a company and it became clear that their organizational culture needed an overhaul. People were leaving to go to competitors, stress was rampant, there was bullying happening in different pockets of the organization, and morale was generally low. So rather than engaging in a top-down process with senior leaders implementing an organizational culture change program, they made this process fully participatory. They decided to create a culture task force made up of people who were new to the company and more seasoned, junior and senior, in staff functions and in management functions. The goal of the task force was to come up with recommendations that would help the organization create an environment that would allow all members to fully thrive. And guess how the task force members were identified? They were nominated by their colleagues, which is a participatory process. Then once the core team was selected by leadership, what's one of the first things they did? They surveyed their colleagues about the key areas to focus on. Throughout their almost year-long journey, the task force continued to check in with the community to make sure their ideas, their process, and their recommendations included input from all members of the organization. And one of the things that made this process so impactful is that since the task force members were selected by the community, the perspective of the community was always top of mind. This motivated task force members in a unique way, resulting in an outcome that captures the intentions of the Gettysburg Address. The recommendations were truly of the people, by the people, for the people. So is there a problem that you're trying to solve in your organization? And is there a way to engage in a process like Sherry described in the talk, or like the company I worked with? It's certainly worth exploring, because opening doors so that more people can walk in means giving voice to the masses and truly making great use of the human capital all around us. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Kiara Powell and fact-checked by Matias Salas. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, and Colin Helms. I'm Madupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week.